I have the immense privilege this evening to talk on one of my favorite topics, uh, the topic of imputation. Uh, And it's fitting, too, because we're in one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. Now, at first, you might be surprised to think about imputations from this passage because it Uh, This particular passage mentions that word that Brother uh, Bill just preached on just a moment ago, reconciliation, a number of times. But nestled within these couple of verses, I think, is one of the most beautiful pictures of exactly how God reconciles the world to himself. And it's fitting because this is what what the Apostle Paul does here in this particular text. As you might know, 2 Corinthians is one of Paul's most intimate letters. Uh, The Corinthian church had somewhat called Paul out and sort of questioned his authority and questioned the idea that he was an apostle. So he goes on this very long sort of letter explaining the ways in which he is, explaining the reasons why suffering is not uh, opposed to the cross, but actually the fact that it shows us the true nature of the cross and, and all of the beauties that come through it. But then he gets to hear this most intimate passage where I think he reveals his own heart. The fact that he is an ambassador for Christ for one particular reason. He refers to this ministry of reconciliation again. You'll notice that it's come through God in Christ. Notice verse 18 he says, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by his son Jesus Christ. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This is what he's been doing he says. To it that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. It's as if to say that plan that, that Pastor Bill was just referencing. This idea of, of opening up the doors to the garden. It's been the plan that's been cooked up so to speak amongst the Trinity from the very moment of the fall. From the very moment Adam and Eve broke that beloved promise of their creator, God's been working a way in which to bring them back, to, yes, reconcile them to himself. There's a number of passages that we could go to, but uh, alas, this is the plan, as you'll, you, you might see throughout Scripture, that's referenced as before the foundation of the world. In fact, in Revelation 13, verse 8, it talks about how this one, the Son of Man, God's own Son, was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, which is just hinting that this has been the plan all along, ever since that moment. But then the Apostle Paul clues us into how that reconciliation happens. How is it that this reconciling, this bringing back, this reclamation project, so to speak, of God with these beloved sinners that he so dearly loves and wants to have back into his fold. How is it that he reconciles them? Well, verse 19 again, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. How? By not imputing their trespasses unto him, unto them, excuse me. He reconciles by not imputing. Now, impute is probably not a common word, and it's a word that we ought to explain. Impute is just a word that means literally to reckon or to number among. And I was thinking of a way to explain this in a way that might give a better picture of it. And I was thinking about, imagine your favorite sporting event. I immediately think of a professional basketball watching that. There's only a certain number of people who have access to the court at one time. 
Usually it's five players on each side, so there's ten, and roughly two referees. Those are the ones who have access to the court. And if you have someone coming from the stands, coming from the bleachers into the court, they're going to be quickly tackled or ushered off. Because they don't have access. And if you want to have access to this particular game to watch it, you have to pay a very expensive fee to buy a ticket, to get a nosebleed seat, and to watch little tiny people run around the court. But you get access nonetheless, unless, of course, also, you're a very important person who's known as a person among the press. And you get one of those special badges, right? And you can walk in to where people aren't usually allowed to go. Because you have this badge, which we could say imputes you the access, the rights to gain uh, uh, access to places you haven't been able to access before. That badge that's given to you imputes a number of rights and privileges to you. That's That's a good way to think about what God does to us in his son, Jesus Christ. He gives us access. But it's interesting here how he, Paul, the Apostle Paul does something with, we could say, a negative imputation. Because if, if a badge that gives us access to press row, we could say, is a positive imputation, it's a positive reckoning which gives us access. Here Paul says, by not imputing. So imagine again, you all have a badge that you wear. But this badge is not one you can take off. It's not one that you can just take a lanyard off and and get rid of. And so you don't have those same things, those same uh, things that you ought to be judged by. This badge, we could say, is your heart. Your heart is a badge which imputes to you everything that is due your wickedness. Everything that is due your wrath. Everything that is due your rebellion. And notice what here Paul is saying God has been doing. He reconciles. By not treating you according to what your badge deserves. To what that, that heart that you have inside of you. What it deserves. This is the most uh, uh, amazing truth that I think the Apostle Paul brings out here. And I think it begs this question. How? How is it possible that God would not impute our trespasses against us? Don't we deserve judgment? Don't we deserve the wrath? Don't we deserve justice, the likes that God is worthy of giving? He is holy and we are completely unholy. Well, he resolves this tension, the Apostle Paul does in verse 21. If... The reconciliation of God, the reconciliation of the world to God is through the non-imputation of their trespasses. Where do those trespasses go? Verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, this is the wonderful way in which Paul answers the tension. If the tension is, where did our sins go? We are sinful creatures. We deserve the wrath that is due our sin. And if God, if Paul is here saying that we are not treated as sinners, where did that sin go? There has to be some way they are counted. How does God balance the books, so to speak? Where, where does he go to make sure that everything evens out? He lays it all on Christ's shoulders. The non-imputation of our sins comes about because our sins were positively imputed onto God's own son. 
who, as Paul here says, was made sin for us. A staggering notion, I believe. One of the most staggering, I would say, in all of Scripture. That Christ himself, the very Son of God, the one who was in the beginning with God, we could say, bore all of what we deserved in his own body on the tree, as the Apostle Peter says. Being dead to sins, that we should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. This same one, the Apostle Paul says elsewhere in the letters to the Galatians. This one, this son of man has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. So then, that man hanging naked and ashamed and disgraced on that cross... On that cross that we uh, that ought to be most present in our minds on this Good Friday, so to speak, was none other than this King of Glory, the rightful One who deserved all of our obeisance, and yet there He was, nailed to a tree that He spoke into existence, undeservedly suffering the penalty we should have felt. He was imputed a judgment that deserve, that we deserve, that belonged to us. He never sinned. He knew no sin. And yet, on that cursed tree, He was regarded as a sinner. This is the heart of imputation. The heart of this reckoning. This reckoning of God. God's own son. One who took all of that mistreatment. All of that, uh, that ill regard for who he was. And yet we are also now reckoned among his redeemed. The Scottish hymn writer Horatius Bonner. He puts it this way very succinctly. That the things that he, Christ, did not do were laid to his charge. And he was treated as if he had done them all. So the things that he did do are put to our account. And we are treated by God as if we had done them all. What a beautiful promise. The things that he did are now ours by faith. We are reconciled to God by the non-imputation of our sins and the positive imputation of God's own righteousness. This is the power of God unto salvation, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1. And this is the gospel. The sinless one takes the sinner's spot. He is the one who is imputed a criminal's fate that he might pardon criminals like you and me. He is the one... As the prophet Isaiah said, was numbered with the transgressors in order that he might make intercession for the transgressors. He's the one who endures all the brunt and the full force of our sin and the awesome weight of our iniquity on his shoulders. He's the one who carries every bitter thought and every evil deed on his bruised and bloodied back. He is the one who has made sin for us that we might be made righteous in him. What a wonderful proclamation. Could there be better news than this? I dare say not. It's why I love this, this passage. It's why I love this word. Because I believe that in a way imputation is just a condensation of that 
The power of God unto salvation into a single word. It's the sum and substance of the good news. And dare I say the sum and substance of the whole Bible. That on our own there's nothing that we deserve other than wrath. And yet in Christ, God in Christ, there's nothing for us but favor. Because that's what the Son has won. That's what God's own Son has accomplished on the tree. In the moment of those hours of crucifixion, the cross wasn't regarded as good. It's Good Friday only because we know what happens a few days later. And now we see. We see what he accomplished. We see that there he was bearing the full weight of our sins. Bonner again summarizes this for us. This righteousness is reckoned or imputed to all who believe so that they are treated by God as if they were actually theirs. They are entitled to claim all that which such a righteousness can merit from God himself as the judge of righteousness. It does not become ours gradually or in fragments or in drops, but is transferred to us all at once. It is not that so much of it is reckoned to us in proportion to the strength of our faith or the warmth of our love or the fervor of our prayers, but the whole of it passes over to us by imputation. Faith, the grain, the size of a mustard seed, we could say. It grants us the righteousness of God. That's what the sun accomplishes. That's what the sun wins. My friends, if you believe in Good Friday and its consequences, and you believe that it is good because of what the sun did, my friends, you are righteous in God's sight. You're righteous where you sit. You're righteous where you are. Because he was made sin for you. The one who knew no sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen.